Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi, I'm Erica Jackson, communication and behavior change agent expert, curious listener and coach. And hello, I'm Jill Dunlevy, a lover of planning and organization with a creative twist with years of experience working in the legal field. I'm excited about ways this podcast shines light on the best of humanity. We're both members of David's United Church of Christ, where our mission is to seek, celebrate, and share the love of God to all, no exceptions. We believe that learning about and highlighting stories of hope is one place we can find God at work. In this episode, we're excited to talk with Jill Amos, twice elected Canal Winchester, Ohio City Council member. And we want to learn from Jill in this episode because she is a leader in a growing community, which has experienced some divisiveness as part of that growth. And she has a reputation for bringing positivity. We're also really curious about her desire to continue in a leadership role in turbulent times. So welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you both for the invitation. It's completely humbling and I greatly appreciate it. Um, The message that you're sharing with people is absolutely important. Positivity is such an important thing in our environment. And I, I tell people all the time, you wake up every day, you're lucky. So what are you going to do with the day? What are you going to do with your life? Because you have one life to live here. So what are you going to do? Well, let's, let's start with that about what you do. <laughs> I'd love to, for our audience to learn more about your daily life. I know that you have quite a following around town um, in In addition to being on city council, leading some high energy cardio drumming, you're involved in the uh, Eagle Scouts. So tell us about who you are and uh, the places that you show up in the world. Oh, I'm a simple person. We'll start with that. I I consider myself a simple person. Uh, My husband, which is left brain, would probably not agree with that statement. Um, I do serve on city council. And just thankfully, thanks to my residence, was reelected for another four-year term. So I'm completely um, blown away and humbled by the numbers that, that we're voting. Uh, it absolutely speaks just to how much in, are important um, to have the right people in place for the community. I am an Eagle Scout advisor. I have three Eagle Scouts myself. Um, I have hopefully another one working on it. So I'm super excited to see where he gets in life on this. Um, let's see. I do teach cardio drumming. It, it was a random, somebody said, Hey, do you want to learn to teach cardio drumming? And I thought, Oh, that's something new. I haven't tried. And as I've journeyed in my life in the past couple of years, I've lost hundred pounds. So for me, this was a way to help continue the success of keeping the weight off because that's not an easy feat in itself. Um, I also serve for the JRD, which is the joint rec division in our city, which is all the youth athletics and some adult athletics. And um, I have big dreams for the JRD. So we will hopefully over the next couple of years start bringing those into fruition. 
and, and seeing it blossom into what this community needs, which is to bring the community together. Because right now we're only serving about 20% of our population and there's just so much more we could do with it. So I, I get, and I also um, serve with the Historical Society. It's, uh, I, I have a passion for history. I love history. I love talking about this city and the different things and the way we came about. And I love to put on events with them that help just encourage the study of history, but also bring together people in such a positive way that we're creating. So I always tell everybody, tomorrow is your history. So after it happens, it's history. So we're not just preserving what happened 100 and 200 years ago. We're preserving what you did with your family at Christmas time at our festival. So we're creating all these memories and creating new history to add to the collection. It's such an eclectic list. <laughs> um, and and I'm, I'm curious about what, what fuels your energy um, to, to be dedicated to so many things. Well, first of all, I, I am a, a person who suffers from ADHD. So I, I do have a disability that I work through. And so it keeps me, that helps keep me very busy because it, it runs a mile a minute. But um, my passion is to make a difference in this world. I really do only have one life and you're not sure when it's going to be your last day. So I feel like every day I'm given a chance to make a difference. And whether that be um, smiling at a student in the hallway or um, whether it be just acknowledging somebody or helping put on things in our city or really encouraging people to try something new, it helps to make the world a better place when you really push others to succeed as well or to create an environment where other people can enjoy life. So seeing the like light turn on for families and like just the memories that they make or the something different that they found, it kind of, it, it, you, you embrace all the cool things that the people in your community give you. So for every moment that I give, I get so much more back in the smiles, they don't even realize you're paying attention, but in the smiles that you see and, and in the light that you make in somebody's life or just the change that you may see, you get so much more back from seeing other people succeed or seeing other people start doing bigger and better things. Like to me, that's what drives me. I, I have one life, what am I gonna do? At the end of the day, do, are people going to remember the good? So that's kind of how I live my life every day is what am I going to do to make a difference? When I had the benefit of watching your face light up as yeah. you told the, you know, as you were recalling um, the way that families enjoy the events that you plan, I, it's clear you have a real gift for, um, for gratitude. That's one of your strengths and for being present to, to the moment. It's, and, and I will tell you, I have surrounded myself with just incredible people. And I think that makes a huge difference in life. I consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world because somehow I keep getting my friends to volunteer and to help out. Um, even, and they will tell you that I will call them and go, hey, I got an idea. And they're like, okay, am I gonna take the call? 
or am I not going to, because I've drugged them into so many things, but because of that, we had such incredible memories and truly I could call upon my friends for anything because I just know they'd be there. And so I'm surrounded by amazing people, which makes life way more fun, just absolutely more fun. Mm-hmm. So your good energy is, has, um, attracted good energy. <laughs> I want to, I want to shift, um, first to a focus on your role as council member. We were curious about what led you to take on the role of council member in a small but growing city, which can be more challenging than fun. Oh, that's a mouthful, Jill. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Um, What led me to run? Well, I think that when you pay attention, you realize people in the city, first of all, I realized that not a lot of people knew who was even on council when I ran. Um, I realized that a lot of people didn't understand the things that were going on in our community. And then the ones that I did find who understood didn't feel like they had a voice. There was no voice. So there wasn't a magic moment that I said, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm so angry. I'm going to run. For me, it was, I think they need, there are too many people saying they're not being heard. And if I can be the voice for them, if I can think things through, If I can also, and I tell people all the time, sometimes it's an education piece because I've had to learn. And sometimes it's also educating our residents or educating others on how things work um, in order to get a better understanding. So I ran really for our community to, to be their voice. And I ran so that even the, the small majority even when there's just a small majority, somebody needs to listen. We're never going to 100% make everybody happy. It's just never gonna happen. But even if you at least listen and ask the questions and represent people, then you are part of the change. And yes, you are going to come across some adversity. Um, You are gonna come across people who think that you are wrong for asking questions or for diving in. But at the end of the day, I sleep well knowing that I've done my part, I've done my research, and that I represented the people who voted me in. And I try to serve that way too. I try to serve through listening um, and, and doing various events that help give the community a place to talk safely too. Yeah, thank you. We were also wondering Um, We noticed you were the only incumbent who ran for re-election this year. Um, So what led you to run again? And what calls you into continued public service? Oh, I like a good fight. Is that why I run again? Um, I felt like there were still, being a woman, being the only woman last time around, there there were still some things that you have to overcome. I still think that, in my opinion, wasn't always valued the same way. I still think that um, I had to speak louder to be heard sometimes. But I also felt like I listened to the community well. And I felt like the residents felt comfortable, that I established a relationship with them to feel comfortable enough to talk about stuff that they didn't like or that they did like, to to know that I'm not going to just sugarcoat it and go, that's great, nice to meet you. Um, There are lots of things that we've taken and gone forward with. I was very, very sad. I'm not going to lie that Pat and Will did not run. They were great partners for me. 
they each brought to the table something so absolutely awesome. We could sit at a table and talk about something. We could all have completely different opinions of it, but you could come to the table and, and have a good debate and, and look into things and have great conversations. So I am lucky that we have two additional women joining us as well as Patrick. Um, I know that I will get some new partners in crime to debate with. Sometimes that's that's really what it's about. It's it's hashing things through and thinking about things differently than you thought. So, and and I also told both Will and Pat that they weren't they weren't off just because they got off. That I was still gonna <laughs> make them help serve and, and answer questions. So they're they're now part of your group of volunteers that that <laughs> that you call upon. <laughs> both of them were already part of that, but I I, I still feel like you the knowledge that they brought to the table and the information that they brought to the table is still very valuable and you will still look to them for resources and sometimes professional answers because what they bring to the table is different than my set of, of skills so i think that you always keep your resources close and 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 we became friends over the years so i'm very fortunate in that sense you mentioned the fighter in you um we get the sense that you're really more of a lover, but that you, that you, um, feel, um, a responsibility to fight for those who don't have a voice. You, you mentioned that small percentage of people that you feel are unheard. Who are those um, in your community, who are the people that you really try to represent because their voices are quieted either intentionally or unintentionally? Yeah. So over the years, I mean, our phone numbers are public. So over the years we've had, I've had residents reach out and they are not public people. They don't want to be brought in front of everybody. They don't want to talk in front of everybody. They certainly don't want to go in front of council. Some of them have shown up at my community coffee events so we can have one-on-one -on -one conversations. But there is, um, there's some newer residents who are afraid necessarily to get involved yet. Um, we have a lot of senior residents who when they are upset, they just want to talk to somebody. They don't want to go through 60 phone calls and voicemails. They just want to talk to Sometimes they just need to air out their grievance and sometimes they need help. And I think that I've been able to work with a lot of, even our local businesses have reached out and you know, it's just little things, but it's little to me, it may be big to them. So it's figuring out what can we do? We may not be able to solve the issue, but what can we do to get closer to a solution? So. You mentioned the community coffees and um, we're curious about the stories of, of hope that you hear in those community coffees or, or of course, any other interactions within the community. So what stories of hope do you hear? And in addition to that, what is this community hoping for? So those are two big ah, questions big for question. you to ponder. Well, so I will tell you community coffee, first of all, started with one of those, hey, I got this crazy idea. Well, you wanna go to breakfast? He should have said no, he should have said, you know? Um, but we, we started Community Coffee because there was a lot of residents who didn't want to talk. And I have been incredibly lucky by the people who show up. Sometimes it's the same people, sometimes it's different people. We may have somebody pop in once a year or twice a year or every single time. It, it's really, you never know when you open that door to greet people. 
who's going to walk in. We have had my favorite, still my favorite, is the very first community coffee we ever hosted. I had two high school kids walk in, Austin and Bryce, and they said, why don't we have curbside recycling? And I, I, when you have teenagers in front of you who have a passion, who are bringing forth something in their community, you have to listen. So we, um, and they were doing a whole project. And, and the fun part was they were actually doing this project for a scholarship and they didn't get the scholarship. But what they did was create a movement. And so I worked with them for about two years. Will, myself, um, worked with the kids and Abby because there ended up being three kids total. And we worked with them for a year and a half. And so we created the events where we had drop-offs. So for over a year, we stood out in the parking lots, rain, snow, sleet. We were like postmen, just digging through your recycling, sorting it out. And we would sort it into bins and get the numbers so that we could show that there was a need for recycling. It was a dirty job, but somebody had to do it and micro was not showing up. So we had to continue. But, um, and so after the year, when the contract was up for the city, really because these kids just kept, they were the driving forces. And even when they left for college, we continued. And when they would come home, they would come back and work because it was their project. So even when they were gone, they still came back and helped us. And then when it was time for the contract, they stood up in front of council again and said, we know that you'll support us in this. And so we were able to get curbside recycling for the city canal Winchester. And actually it was a much better deal than we thought it was going to be. And we were able to continue with every service we currently offer and add the recycling. But we've also had, um, the texting and driving ordinance started there from somebody who said, listen, I don't want my kids to die on the street because somebody's not paying attention coming out of the high school. And, and that's fueled the hands-free ordinance. Will took it and started running with it, um, wrote lots of information on it, and we were able to get that into fruition. So now it's a first-degree offense in the city of Canal Winchester to drive with a cell phone in your hand or to be texting and driving. And um, pedestrian safety, we've had the, some of the community cleanups have come out of there where they just wanted to unify the community and have a day where we could get people to come together and clean up the community. And we worked with Brock Strong. So we've, you know, we've had some things we couldn't fix, um, but we've been able to talk about them. We've been able to talk with the city about them and we've represented them to the city and be able to really say, this is a problem, this is a concern. What can we do? Or can we put it on the long-term plan so that maybe in the future we can look to making it better. So mm -hmm. I, we've had such good stuff. We've talked about warehouses. We've talked a lot about warehouses, but I mean, we've talked about everything under the sun and, and it's been wonderful because you really don't know what people are gonna bring and you don't know their opinions, but it's done and people are so respectful. It's probably one of my favorite things. People are so respectful in the conversations. They can agree to disagree. They can state their reasoning and they can still walk away and say, see you next week. I mean, it's mm -hmm. beautiful. And so that, that kind of, um, the kind of humanity that shows up in those community coffees uh, really fuels your hope. And I'm also hearing that you're often inspired by, by children. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, even when I met with the Boy Scouts last night, that's one of the things I told them. I said, you can change the world just because you are 11 years old at this precise moment, you can still change the world. If something is 
brings joy to you, if something has a passion that fuels you in life, then by start now, there's nothing that says I'm 11 and I can't do this. I said, these teenagers came to us with a problem and they worked hard for the year and a half, two years it took us to get it, to bring it to fruition. It wasn't overnight. It doesn't have to be instant gratification. If you want it super bad, if you are passionate about it, then change the world, make a difference. And the one kid, I just absolutely adored him last night. He said, I want to build prosthetic legs in the future. And I it's like, dude, that's the greatest thing ever. What can I do? So, so awesome. To hear an 11 year old with such a passion for helping and, and, you know, and he totally, so we got into the conversation of equity and equality and he understood it. I mean, you, people don't realize just how smart these kids are. And so when we talked about equity and equality and, and making it more of an equitable situation, he, he got it and he was amazing. And, and that lead you to get up every day and go, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. So you have shared some stories that others have discussed with you as a leader in this community, and you're very perceptive and encouraging of others. However, oftentimes people in leadership end up in those positions because they were influenced by events in their own lives. What was the catalyst for you? Oh, see, I, I, when I first ran, and I talk a lot, so feel free to edit out anything you don't want, girls. Sorry. Um, when I first ran, that was the biggest thing is everybody said, oh, what's your statement? What's your, what's the reason? And there wasn't. It was, I wanted to represent the community and I wanted to represent the people. And I wanted to be the person that they knew they could call upon because you, this is your city. And so if you can get people involved in decisions, in just thinking about what goes on in our community, then they become active participants in their community. So they will volunteer or they will help or they will serve in different capacities uh, or maybe step up and deliver meals to somebody. You know, you never know, but if you get them involved in just a general conversation, you may spike their interest to take it one step further and they may grow in, in and develop something of their own. I mean, take for example, the Run Like the Girl program. The teachers at the school thought it was a great program and something, somebody put that little thought in their head and they took it and ran with it. I mean, Brock Strong has their guys with ties and girls with pearls. One little thought just expanded that. So for me, running for city council, I wanted to encourage other people to do so because when I ran uh, the first time, there was, we actually had an extra people, but normally in the past, there was maybe one extra person. Sometimes they were lucky to get the ballot filled. And I really wanted to show people like anybody can do this. You can be on city council. You can represent the people. Um, you lose your opinion though. I do tell you that. I will tell everybody that when you run, you run for your people. So you lose your personal opinion. And uh, we always have to remember that when we go into the chamber that my opinion doesn't matter. It's based on facts and representing the residents. So, and that's what I kind of continued when I re-ran is that I just, I, I hoped that people had learned that I would represent them, that I would ask a lot of questions and uh, do the due diligence it takes. So the catalyst for you was to be a catalyst for other people to, to ignite that, the fire within them, uh, uh, the spirit of volunteerism. I guess I never thought about it that way, but you are right. It, it really is to just drive other people to be involved. 
you know, obviously we're interviewing you as part of a uh, church initiative and we noticed your your response to the call for school prayer being challenged during the election. And we'd love to give you the space to speak to that. Yeah. So that was actually um, city council prayers, what that was about. And that was probably on that postcard. There was a postcard sent out to the community, which was not very nice. Um, I was very thankful that I had paid for pictures by Emily Sweeney in Canal Winchester. Thank you, Emily, for making me look decent for those pictures and that I'd pay for them. But um, the, I think what hurt me the most was the fact that they said that I had voted no on prayer. And so I actually had some of the senior communities reach out to me because they were really upset. They had a lot of voters in the senior community who thought that I honestly was against prayer, which is the furthest thing from the truth. <laughs> so I was, I think it hurt me more than anything to see that. So what had happened with council was that one of the council members had proposed prayer at our meetings. And this is the part where politics unfortunately plays a part. So the rules committee had voted um, after many discussions among the council members and the city, no one could come up with a practice that would allow for all religions to be covered. Nobody in the city wanted to be responsible for scheduling the appointments. And, and really they shouldn't be. If council wanted it, that should be a council responsibility. But nobody could come up with a, a policy or a practice that was inclusive to all religions, which to me is very important. If you're going to want prayer, again, our personal lives cannot be, we can't take that in. So not everybody was Christian, not, you know, and so nobody could come up with a practice that was inclusive. So what we did, I had offered, um, after the rules committee had met, I had come out and offered non-sectarian prayers, which would allow for us to pray, but not to any God in specific so that anybody personally could insert who they wanted while they were saying their prayer. Um, or I had offered moments of silence. So I felt like that was a good compromise since no one could come up with a good practice to make it inclusive. And I voted yes for the non-sectarian prayers or the moment of silence and the others voted no, that they did not want, that was not what it was meant to be. And if the person that requested it wasn't happy with it, then we just weren't going to have it. So. Unfortunately, that's where the politics comes in, where it's the practice that got turned down, not what it was, because what it is is beautiful. But I think that everybody can take a moment to themselves, too. I hope that everybody takes a few seconds before they walk in and just pray, because we have a lot of decisions to make, and I'd hate to think I was doing it on my own. I think uh, we would like to thank you for uh, representing every person in this community in that decision. Thank you. I felt it was important. There is a, this community is not made up of one person. It's magical. I mean, we have so many people that bring things to the table and who are we to select specific ones? It, it needed to be open for every religion if we were going to do it. And there just wasn't a way to accommodate that. We know that you have been inspired by others and you've shared many stories of how you've been inspired by others to um, enact changes. Um, what other messages of hope do you have for Canal Winchester and surrounding communities? And what, what gives you hope personally as well? Oh, goodness. So many things. I, well, let's see. For the community, I would say 
there are so many people in this community in Canal Winchester, and we're so lucky because just to give you an example, I had a family in crisis over Christmas and I was able to reach out to many people in this community who helped fill the need for this family. And it's not just, you know, there's other, there's lots of things that happen in this community and, and lots of magical things that people are doing behind the scenes that people don't even realize. There's changes happening every day. And I would encourage everybody in this community, just be the change. Be the change that you wanna see. I know that people say this, but truly feel it in your heart. Be the change, get up every day and know that you have the opportunity to be the change. It doesn't have to mean that you're gonna go volunteer for everything under the sun. Maybe it's just that you talk differently to people when you're out and about in your daily life. Maybe it's that you, you know, you help somebody on the street. I mean, we've all seen the commercial where the guy opens the door and then that was like, oh, wow, they opened the door for me. They picked up a toy and oh, the positivity in this world just grows person by person. And so we have to be that person. And I am very fortunate. And I tell everybody, I live in like a little Mayberry. So it, um, there are so many magical people here. And there's so many people that really just love this city and love everything about it, but they're willing to help. And so I would challenge our community to find the hope in the community and find the hope and the change that they want by being the change, getting involved or just change what you're doing for the day. Be nice to people, think differently and understand there truly is sometimes uh, when people are just having a bad day and apparently hugging people randomly is frowned upon in every establishment, but I would. I mean, I would offer a hug to anybody. I consider myself lucky every single day that I get out of bed. I have four beautiful children and an amazing husband. So I consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world. And I am surrounded by people who are just great in general. My neighbor down the road survived breast cancer and she now leads the charge to help others. And um, I'm, I'm surrounded, I'm my neighbor, my other, like you're surrounded by so much in the world. It just gives you hope that someday my kids won't live in a different world, that they'll live in the same kind of giving and caring world because they're watching people around them be positive mm -hmm. and be the change. So. I hope that my kids get that. I hope that in 2042, um, that not a lot's changed for the, that part. I hope that we continue seeing the light in this world through our actions. Thank you, Jill, for spending time with us and sharing your perspectives on hope with our audience. We really appreciate your time with us and for your sharing of your message of hope for our community. And to our hopeful community, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode meant to inspire you. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Hope.